Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 446 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Monday evening, September 26, 2022. Lashana Tova, happy Rosh Hashanah to those who are celebrating. That includes me. I'm Sam Klein. I'm your host. That includes Jason Evans. He's not here. He's with family. It does not include, but we always love to have you, Donald Wine. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Happy Rosh Hashanah to to both you and again Jason Jason Absentia. Um, it has been a long weekend, um, and I know we usually are uh, talking about basketball, but we have honestly we have more football to discuss uh, on this show. Yep, we're just going to do football today, uh, which is going to be fun. Unfortunately, Duke's unbeaten time uh, in football for this season has come to an end. Of course, they lost to Kansas on Saturday, 35-27. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to play an interview that we did with Riley Leonard last week of the Duke quarterback. Jason was able to get on the phone with him and talk a little bit about their season so far, his preparation and his path to Duke. So we're going to do that after the break. But before we get to the interview, we have to talk about the game a little bit. So uh, it's just me and Donald, as I said. So uh, let's just recap for the folks, Donald what happened in this game and maybe a little bit of analysis of what we saw. So as we mentioned, 35, 27 Kansas wins. Duke did not have a lead in this game. Kansas jumped out to an early seven, nothing lead. They had a touchdown early in the game and Duke was never able to tie it up after that. Kansas kind of held Duke at arm's length for the entire game, despite Duke making a valiant effort. Kansas, I guess seems pretty legit so far this season. They've had, uh, a number of great performances. This this Duke win might be their least exciting uh, performance of the season, but pretty good showing by the Jayhawks. So, Donald, why don't you tell me sort of what your big takeaway from this game was for Duke? Well, it starts off in the beginning, right? Like, Kansas kind of did what Duke has done in the first three games of the year, and they got out to an early lead. And usually it's Duke that, you know, takes the ball, goes down the field and scores pretty efficiently, and has the other team kind of on their heels. And it was Kansas that kind of had that uh, in reverse for us on Saturday. I will say this about Kansas. Kansas is a really good football team. Watching them play, uh, I'm not going to say that they're like a top five team, but they play very, very well, and they play very sound as a as a team, both on offense and defense. And I think, but I also don't think Duke played terribly. I think there were some, obviously some key mistakes. There were some big plays that they gave up. And I mean, honestly, that, lies at the feet of Jalen Daniels because Jalen Daniels what I saw from him on Saturday uh, that man deserves to be in, in the conversation uh, for some of the end of season awards that college football has because he was extremely good on the day uh, with four touchdowns 324 yards I want to say from the air and then like another 80 on the ground with another touchdown so that man was everywhere but for Duke I think they, they had a couple one too many big plays that they gave up on defense they had a couple of you know series that should have probably ended in touchdowns that ended in field goals. And when you are going against a team that's just scoring touchdowns and not, you know, and, and going on fourth down and, and securing fourth downs and moving the ball, you have to kind of match them. And for those couple of possessions where we didn't match them in points, that ended up being the difference in the ball game. And you mentioned a, a couple things, Donald, that I wanted to reiterate. One being that Kansas's offense, as good as Duke's defense has been so far this season, Kansas's offense is pretty potent. And Duke was, I think, trying to to go for the turnovers. Then they were going for the tackles in this game. So 
a, a lot of sort of missed opportunities for Duke to limit Kansas's big play potential, which is what led to a few of KU's big plays and ultimately some of their touchdowns. And then on the other end, uh, as you said, when you're playing against a team that that has a big offense, turning big drives into touchdowns rather than field goals can be the difference in this game. The the thing that I take away from this, though, that's more hopeful is that Duke was mostly able to hang with this Kansas team. And in years past, you might say, well, Duke wasn't even able to beat Kansas. What hope do they have uh, for the season? But it's not like the ACC, per usual, is lighting the world on fire uh, in terms of football performance. So I'm not sure that Duke is the last team in the ACC the way that they were predicted to be. Uh, I I think even despite this this loss on the road, there are a lot more opportunities on Duke's schedule for wins. And and Duke having an outside chance at a bowl game this season still doesn't feel like it's, you know, like it's uh, out of reach for the Blue Devils. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we already have three wins. That's as many as we had all of last season. Uh, we're three and one, which, again, before the season, we said we should be if we're at three and one, then we're doing very well entering the conference schedule. And we have homecoming this coming weekend. We play Virginia at home and we're entering the, the conference part of our of our schedule and i and i think our team has to feel confident that they can play with anyone because honestly when it comes to all of college football this was one of the games of the week this was one of the games that everyone was talking about sure the national media may have been focusing more on kansas but they wouldn't talk about kansas playing some random team if they weren't good and let's be clear you know after the game kansas fans rushed the field i think that's probably the first time in a very long time that someone has rushed the field to celebrate a victory against Duke on the gridiron. Uh, and so that means that Kansas took this game seriously. They came in with the respect uh, that Duke has been very good this year, and they have. And I think that's what made it a good game. Again, they scored early. We we tied it right up. And then from there, it was just they would score a touchdown. We would score a field goal. They would score a touchdown. We would score a field goal. It was really two possessions in the second quarter where the, the margin was plus four. And there's your ball game right there. The 35-27, the final score two possessions where they got a plus four um, in points and that ended up being the difference. So it's, it's little things here and there that this team can still feel confident that they can go out on any given week and beat the football team. That's ahead. That's that's on the other side of the ball for them. So Kansas is a really good team, but Duke showed that they can be a team to reckon with in the ACC. And given how some of the predictions have turned out, I know we were predicted to finish last, and we're not, you know, we're doing pretty well so far. You know, look at my other alma mater, Miami. They are reeling right now after starting out 2-0, and they were the team that was favored to win the Coastal Division. So a lot can turn on its head once we enter this conference season, and Duke has the confidence to play with anyone every week. That's what they got from this non-conference schedule. Even in this loss, I saw that confidence that they weren't going to quit and they weren't going to give up, and they have the guys on offense and defense to make the big plays that can make the difference in a small, in a close battle. And by the way, if you just look at ESPN's matchup predictor, uh, Duke is favored against both of its next two opponents. Uh, the Blue Devils are at home this coming Saturday against Virginia, and then they go on the road to Georgia Tech the following week. Duke is favored in both of those games, at least uh, at least according to, to ESPN. So uh, a, a lot more confidence, I think, than you would say you had in the football team uh, than than four weeks ago, which is which is pretty cool. What Donald? What's kind of your your takeaway from this game? The thing that you think Duke needs to improve on that they didn't show enough of during uh, the game against Kansas. 
I think it's uh, third and fourth downs, you know, wrapping up guys and tackling. There was just a couple too many, uh, I guess, regressions to the mean, so to speak, where they would uh, do what people call spaghetti arm tackling. They kind of throw their arm out at someone and hope you tripping, you know, try to trip up a runner or something like that instead of wrapping a guy up and trying to bring them down. There was just one too many of those that, again, Kansas, you know, running backs, Kansas wide receivers were able to slip out of those tackles and it turned into big plays. And I think the backbreaker was that one play that it was just like a one yard dump off that turned into a seven to three yard touchdown because guys weren't able to wrap up the the ball, the ball holder and, and just kind of tackle them. So I think that's the one thing to continue to work on. That's not necessarily something that's going to, you know, just come and go. It, it's all about concentration. It's all about seeing the guy and, and rushing to the football getting guys down and that way you can get off the field and let your offense do the work. So uh, again, I, I wasn't super upset about some of those plays. It's just, again, in a game of inches, you know, there was a couple of those that led to some big plays that cost us the game. And I hope that with Duke returning home this weekend, having now played two of its four games, it's, it's two most competitive games really on the road so far this season. Hopefully as we enter ACC play, uh, Despite the loss this past weekend, Duke is able to maintain some of that momentum uh, from from some some good performances on the road, and the and the crowds are are showing up to Wallace Wade Stadium. I know that the the three of us are are not there for these games, but uh, hope that that others will be going out. So if you are in the triangle this weekend, uh, strongly consider going to the Duke game because it should be a good time. Duke very well could be favored against UVA uh, at at the opening kick. So. Uh, not only will it be fun to be there to be uh, kind of taking in the the sights and sounds of the Mike Elko era, but you might even get to see another Duke victory. Yeah, and it's homecoming, so there's going to be people back on campus. Um, you know, it, it'll the 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 vibes are going to be there, right? So get everybody out to Wallace Wade, and I think the great thing about the schedule for homecoming is that they've shaped it around the football game so that everyone can go and enjoy it. So get out to Wallace Wade. Cheer extra loud for myself, Sam, and Jason. Uh, we wish we could be there, but yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a good battle. And again, Virginia, a team that we've struggled against in the past, we have a chance to kind of you know get a little revenge against them and get back again, start the conference season one and zero, which is exactly where we want to be. All right, Donald, let's take a quick break. When we get back, uh, you're going to hear an interview that Jason recently did with Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback. You may hear some references to the fact that Duke is 3-0 and and playing Kansas this weekend. That is unfortunately because we conducted the interview last week and just didn't have a chance to record over it so that we could present it to you. But I think a lot of the themes will ring true. So we'll take a break. When we come back, you'll hear Jason's interview with Riley Leonard. Stick around. So I'm joined now by Riley Leonard, the starting quarterback, sophomore starting quarterback for the Duke Blue Devils, the football team currently, as we speak, undefeated 3-0, heading into a big game against Kansas this weekend. Riley, thanks so much for joining us here on the Duke Basketball Report. Thanks so much for having me. So, look, I know that you and your teammates were confident coming into the season, but did you expect things to start as well as they have thus far? Um, yeah, a- absolutely. Um, some people are treating this as like a celebration that we're 3-0, and but um, we fully expected after eight months of really, really, really hard work that we were going to come here and, 
and win every game. Uh, no matter who we play, you know, it's Alabama or wh whoever, we expect to win. So um, three and O's, um, the bare minimum, and we're just, we're just going to keep it going from here. I like that attitude. You know, you spent last season under a QB guru in Coach Cutcliffe. I mean, I'm sure one of the major reasons you came to Duke was was his reputation as a so-called quarterback whisperer. And now you're under Mike Elko, who is a guy who is known more as a defensive genius. Um, can can you talk about, you know, maybe how the offensive focus has has changed a little bit under Elko versus what it was last season under Cutcliffe? Yeah. Um, Coach Cutcliffe was, was tremendous. And, uh, you know, I really, I really learned a lot from him, but now having uh, Elko as a defensive coordinator, he, he's obviously a guru on the defensive end. So coach John um, really has full control of the offense and Elko comes in, um, comes in and out and helps us with the offense as well. So, you know, it's kind of best of both worlds to have a defensive head coach and a great offense coordinator that can work together, um, you know, and come up with the best scheme every week to, to play. So it's, it's really, it's a really cool system we got going here. Is there a difference in the philosophy at all in, in maybe what you're trying to set up, the type of plays you're running and things like that? Yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to hit on everything in the offense this year, really spread the ball. Um, that's one of the biggest things. I think all of the receivers so far have gotten a, a good amount of catches every single game. We're trying to, you know, push the ball fast, throw deep balls, um, you know, mix it up in the run game. So we're, we're really attacking on all cylinders this year. And and speaking of that attacking, the th one thing that struck me is you've been remarkably accurate so far this season. You're you're hitting like seventy five percent of your passes against NCANT. You didn't have a single ball that you threw hit the ground. Now one of them it's because one was intercepted, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. but no no balls hit the ground. I mean, uh, but but you guys are not taking a safe philosophy. I, I mean it it it's it's been it's been just striking to those of us watching the team. Yeah, it's uh, and that all comes down to the time I have in the pocket, and then my receivers making some grabs for me. I mean, I I, re I really had all the time in the world back there this this season so far. So huge shout out to the, to the five up there in the trenches, and then, I mean, we, like you said, we're not we're not throwing checkdowns all game. We're throwing it we're throwing it long, and uh, you know that 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 goes all to the receivers. So I appreciate them making some plays for me, and uh, you know my stats look look better because of them for sure. Now, is that the kind of QB that you are? Because, you know, we've also seen you tuck and run it a good bit. You're, you're a good athlete. You, you, uh, you, you know, you can put the, uh, you know, tuck the ball down and, and, and let your legs do the work. But, but are you a guy who likes to mostly go downfield? Or, you know, what kind of quarterback is Riley Leonard? Yeah, that, that's a good question. But I, I can't give you a concrete answer on that. My philosophy going into every play is just take what the defense gives me. And uh, unfortunately enough, I'm, I have the ability to run if, if that if that um, you know, comes to me, but there's there's no certain thing that I'm looking for every play. I just take what the defense gives me and uh, focus on each play. You know, try to try to do do the best I can in both aspects, running and passing. Now, in the preseason, you had a bit of a battle with Jordan Moore for the for the quarterback position, and he's now one of your top receivers. Uh, talk a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, he's he's one of the best athletes I've ever been around. So he he took the transition from quarterback to receiver pretty pretty easily um and 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 to be competing with him uh it's kind of a funny dilemma because you know we, we were like best friends while we were competing against each other so we already had a great uh great chemistry um even as competitors so when he moved to receiver 
um, being that we're the same age and have been in the same meetings for almost two years now, um, he knows exactly what I'm thinking pre-snap every play. So it's really cool to have him out there to know exactly what I'm thinking. Um, and, you know, we've, we've started to click so far this season. Now, Duke has a long history of great quarterbacks, dating all the way back to Sonny Jurgensen. Um, ben Bennett was, when I was in school many years ago, Ben Bennett was the record-setting quarterback. Thad Lewis, Dave Brown, Sean Renfrey, and of course, Daniel Jones have all taken the path from being Duke's starting quarterback to being a quarterback in the NFL. Have you spoken to many of those guys? What, you know, what have you heard from them about what it's like to go from Duke to the next level? Yeah, it's it's obviously a, a school that has history of quarterbacks. Um, the the one I I contact the most is uh, Daniel Jones, and then I also work with Anthony Boone, who was a quarterback here for a while. Yep. But uh, I, I've I've learned a lot from them. That Daniel tries to text me as you know as during the limited time that he has, but then Anthony Boone has been a huge mentor for me, training off the field, um, teaching me the ins and outs of the program and the school. So, yeah, the quarterback legacy here is uh is definitely family friendly. So I, I, I hope that I can continue that one day. My last question for you, you were a great basketball player in high school. You were like all state or something like that. There are viral videos of you doing 360 dunks. How'd you pick football instead of basketball? Was that much of a, you know, was that a conversation, you know, with you and your parents or anything like that? Yeah. After my junior year, um, I, I was planning on playing basketball in college and I, you know, I loved basketball. I still love basketball, but um, it really, whenever Duke offered it, it kind of, it kind of flipped, flipped for me. Uh, I kind of fell in love with the quarterback position and being, you know, in complete control of the game. And obviously a, a quarterback, you can do so. So I think Duke and the fact that I was going to be able to play quarterback at a D1 school really changed my view on things. But, you know, I still love basketball and, you know, try to play it as much as I can during the offseason, of course. Have, have you spoken to Coach Shire at all about maybe coming out and doing a little bit of hoops in the spring, or, or is that not a possibility? <laughs> I, I would love to. So if you can get me his information, <laughs> if Coach Elko <laughs> lets me, I'll be on the court as soon as possible. <laughs> I, I, I bet Coach Elko is going to have a lot of stuff planned for you. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll have time to, to be playing much basketball. <laughs> I, so – Riley, my last question is, um, and I'm not sure we're going to be able to get this interview out before the Kansas game, but, uh, you know, what's what's the team's expectations for this season? You talked about, you know, we think we're going to win every single game. Um, I, I, that, that's probably not realistic. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, talk to me about the attitude you guys have because, you know, frankly, last season was, was really rough for Duke football. Um, it felt like the team... I don't want to say gave up because I know you guys are out there working so hard every single week and just getting beat up and stuff like that. But, but last season did not go well. Talk about the difference in the attitude this season. Yeah. The, the new coaching staff really sparked a sparked a fire underneath us to be completely honest with you. That and the combination of us being the underdogs every single week. I mean, we, we coming into the season, uh, were projected last in the ACC. Um, individual players were projected, you know, the worst in the ACC. And that's kind of the edge that we have right now. Um, we, we, we are fully confident that, you know, like I said, we can win every game. But at the same time, when we see that we're the underdogs every single week, just about, um, it, it motivates us a lot. So, 
you know, we're coming for the ACC championship, um, you know, full speed ahead because nobody thought we could do so. But, you know, internally, every single player on this team would tell you that we are capable um, of winning that. Well, listen, man, it was great chatting with you. Um, we love the success that the whole team has had and that you've had early in the season so far. We hope it continues and we'll keep on following. Thanks a lot, Riley. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, Donald, thanks again uh, to Riley Leonard for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, pretty interesting discussion. Sounds like a, a, a dude who has a lot of things figured out and maybe has a lot left to accomplish. I was particularly intrigued by his uh, his potential interest in joining the basketball team. I don't know if, uh, if Mike Elko is going to let his starting quarterback uh, take any reps on the basketball court this spring, but would be pretty amazing if he did. Hey, I mean, when's the last time we saw that? Was it? It was probably my classmate Reggie Love, who uh, who famously was on the t- 2001 national championship team, and then also uh, was in 2004, 2005. But uh, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see if he could, you know, kind of be that walk on. And and you know, honestly, when we get to the heat in, of uh, ACC season, where we kind of need a couple extra bodies to keep guys fresh, maybe Riley Leonard's like, "Yo, I I need to get hit ahead of spring practice, and I want to come out." So. Uh, hopefully, hopefully both Elko and John Shire are receptive to the idea and we'll see if Riley gets to do it. The other thing I thought that was cool is, is how much he's talked about working with former Duke quarterbacks and the, the amount that he's in touch with those guys. It's not, you know, I expect that the, that the Duke football fraternity is not quite as tight knit as the basketball one, given that, you know, there aren't as many of the Duke football alumni in in the professional levels and there's a lot more of them so it's just a completely different dynamic for basketball not just because it's Duke but just because of the way that the the whole system operates but neat that he's had an opportunity to talk to some of those former quarterbacks guys who have had you know at least some kind of pro career to get a sense for what that's like cuz cuz you hope that you can build some continuity in those relationships and it's interesting right because you know one thing that David Cutcliffe did in his tenure here was he secretly was quarterback you for a little bit. Like we had some quarterbacks that, yeah, they, you know, there were a few that most people wouldn't say were nationally known or renowned, but they ended up in the NFL. They ended up playing snaps and playing legit games for NFL teams, some playing on contenders. So, uh, and, and really when it came to that, it also just was a, a source for talent to come and learn because, David Cutcliffe was such a big guru. So it's great that even now that we've transitioned to Elko, that Riley Leonard has this opportunity to work with former Duke players that are coming back to campus to work out. But also he's going to eventually learn from some of these Duke adjacent quarterbacks. I'll say, you know, that may have had a link to one of the coaches that have been here uh, in the past for them to come back and, and really just, you know, work out in the facilities, which again, the boost of the facilities uh, Sam, you you worked for the football team. I worked for the football team. The the facilities are light years ahead of where they were when you and I were in school. But that's also a, a, a beacon to players, NFL players and, and the like, to come out and work out at Duke and, and get their training in. And because of that, Riley Leonard and not just him, but other guys on the team are going to be able to benefit from that. So I'm glad that he's taken advantage of that opportunity. Okay, Donald, we are going to close this week with just a, a quick note. And maybe you want to give me a a, a brief reaction to uh, Jared McCain. 
Duke commit who is going to be joining the Blue Devils next year in men's basketball has signed a uh, multi-year partner NIL partnership, a, a, a sponsorship partnership with Champ Sports. Uh, so pretty cool work from him and and doing it at the high school level. So these guys aren't even <laughs> waiting to get uh, under the tutelage and and oversight of Rachel Baker to to launch their sponsorship careers. No, that's awesome. And Champ Sports is a huge apparel outfitter, a huge retailer. Like this isn't, you know, this isn't a, a local mom and pop shop. This is Champ Sports. This is arguably the, you know, the biggest company when it comes to sporting goods in this country. Uh, and he's going to be the face of, uh, I believe, their fall collection, which is amazing uh, as a high school player. But also just, again, goes to the testament of what the power of social media can do, what the power of NIL can do for these players. And, you know, for Jared McCain with his personality, and, and if you've seen any of his social media, you know he has a very vibrant personality that's you know very lovable, and you instantly become a fan of him. Um, so to be able to see him in some of these ads coming up is going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and for those who thought that that there were any floodgates left to open on on amateur athletes and and advertising deals, uh, I I hate to tell you that um, we're we're I, it doesn't feel like we're ever coming back from this sort of thing. So uh, enjoy it because you at this point do not have an alternative. And we've seen and we've seen this already, right? Like Jerry McCain's not the first high school player to do this. Like uh, Hansel, the uh, the one armed uh, basketball player, has gotten a Gatorade spot already. Uh, you see Micah Williams, who is also a big high school prospect. He's gotten some endorsements already uh, via NIL. And, you know, I, I know people here that are starting to look down that road because it is a road that they can go down and the path they can go down in, in order to enhance their education, but also to get their names and their brands out there at an earlier age. So uh, I'm re- I, I'm all for it. And I think it's great that they're able to maximize that opportunity. And for Jerry McCain, it, it's going to be fun because, I mean, who knows? I mean, Champ Sports, again, who knows what can come from that? Because Champ Sports is not a, a small outfitter. They're huge. And if he's already starting there, what else is next for him? That's the, the sky's the limit. Donald, we are going to leave it there. Uh, quick episode today. Uh, not a ton of basketball news to go over, but obviously some football. The uh, Blue Devils are going to be back on the gridiron this Saturday against Virginia. So we will uh, recap that game after it happens. We'll also obviously go over any basketball news that comes down the pipe. We are just a few weeks away from countdown to craziness. So we will have some of our standard season preview stuff coming up. And I believe tonight, as we record on Monday, I, I, it will probably be out by the time this episode is out. But I believe episode one of the Duke Blue Planet like season uh, that they normally do. I believe episode one is, is scheduled to drop at some point today. So uh, maybe if there's some juicy tidbits there, we'll talk about it. But also, I think that's just a, a, a call to action for all of you out there. Go watch it because those are usually pretty cool and give you a pretty a pretty good insight as to, again, the personality of some of these players. Absolutely. Absolutely. We we love that stuff. OK, so check that out. And I'm sure we'll be back again to talk to you soon. As always, stay in touch with us. DBR podcast at Gmail dot com. That's where you should be sending us all your questions about basketball, football, whatever you want to talk about with us. We've gotten a lot of good emails recently, so maybe we need to do a uh, a collector show pretty soon and and go over some of those topics. DBRpodcast at gmail.com. So for Donald Wine, who is here, for Jason Evans, who is out with his family for Rosh Hashanah, uh, we wish you a lovely week. 
We wish you Shana Tova to those who are celebrating. And go Duke. We'll talk to you again soon. Duke Band, take us home. By the way, just so you know, we're called the Duke Basketball Report, but we we also follow football. So <laughs> sounds good.